welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Welcome, welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where if you have listened ever, you have heard me tell you, avoid the downs and savor the ups. And I share that sentiment that it is not just about the law. It is about everything you do in your life. Of course, why would you want to wallow in the downs? Avoid them. And of course, you want to rejoice and savor the ups, the good times, the happiness in your life. Today, as you know, is Wednesday, which means that the show is about criminal types of things. I call the shows on Wednesdays Wrongdoer Wednesdays. So in addition to sharing today about Wrongdoer Wednesday criminal kinds of things, I want to first and always remind you that As an attorney of 40 years in the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia, suburban Maryland area, I have made many friendships over the years, and it would be my honor and a pleasure if you have anything at all legally across the nation, you can call me and I will provide you a referral to a good attorney in your area, and I don't charge you a single penny for that. All right, so let's hit it today. What is today's show about? Today's show is about an all-too-common and unfortunate situation that happens in every nook and cranny across the United States. Disgusting. Purse snatching. Yes, people take purses from other people. And more often than not, it's the elderly. It's people who can't put up a struggle or people who can't chase after the individual who snatched the purse. The question for today isn't so much about what to do. You know, if we catch those people, of course, we're going to put them in the clink. But the question is the legal analysis of what is purse snatching. Some jurisdictions around the United States uh, identify purse snatching as a, a crime that has more to do with the element of force than simply the theft. So in the event there's force, uh, oftentimes purse snatching can be elevated to robbery. Uh, Where there is no force, then oftentimes in some jurisdictions, the crime is a lesser crime, and it's simply a theft. So let me share some cases with you, and I'm going to then come back after the break and provide information about what our United States Supreme Court decided on this matter, and then give you some advice if you are someone who carries a purse. In Madison Heights, Wisconsin, that's a good one. In Madison Heights, Michigan, a woman uh, could face up to 15 years in prison on a charge of unarmed robbery after she knocked down a senior citizen while stealing her purse. Uh, This woman, Victoria, at the time 36 years old, um, was in a parking lot 
um, the victim was an 85-year-old woman who was returning to her vehicle uh, in that parking lot of a store. Uh, the incident occurred about three o'clock uh, in January of last year when uh, Morell, uh, Victoria Morell, the defendant, approached the victim, an elderly lady, again, 85, uh, who was pushing her shopping cart with her purse in it. And the strap of her purse was wrapped around her arm. So in attempting to snatch the purse, um, the victim was knocked down, uh, causing minor bruisings. Morell, the thief, then fled in a gold Dodge Stratus. The police observed the, be uh, the vehicle and stopped it about 20 minutes after the incident had been reported. The purse was in the car. The thief, Morell, told police that she had fallen on tough financial times and had stolen the purse out of desperation. Police said that the suspect showed no resistance and that the contents of the purse were still intact. The purse was returned to the elderly lady who was treated by the fire department in the parking lot. Fortunately, she didn't get hurt too badly. Police said that everyone should be reminded to be aware of their surroundings and keep valuables, including purses, secure on their person. When parking a vehicle, it should be done with awareness to time of day and security. Uh, the police offered to be aware whether it was a lighted area, whether the keys are in your hand, or whether there are any other people around. So my research, unfortunately, I was not able to find the result of this case. But this is a typical scenario. So now I want to move to a Louisiana law. This was passed in 2017, and it defines purse snatching basically as robbery because of the potential for, uh, for the punishment. Typically, in most jurisdictions, if punishment for a crime can equal or exceed one year, it is considered a more serious crime in what we call felonies. Crimes that cannot get one year of uh, prison time are typically then called misdemeanors or less serious crimes. So here, Louisiana uh, actually has a statute titled purse snatching, and it says purse snatching is the theft of anything of value contained within a purse or wallet at the time of the theft from the person or another, or which is in the immediate control of another by use of force, intimidation, or by snatching, but not armed with a dangerous weapon. The second section of the statute says, whoever commits the crime of purse snatching shall be imprisoned with or without hard labor. Wow, don't you like that? Louisiana, tough state, hard labor. For not less than two years and for not more than 20 years. Wow. Okay, so if you're a purse snatcher, don't go to Louisiana if you don't want to be, you know, uh, shoveling, uh, shoveling the heavy stuff or using the hammer to split the rocks. Let's, uh, let's go north a little bit to New Jersey, a 1991 case, almost three decades ago. And from my research, again, I can share with you that I haven't found anything that overturns this decision. This is a case about uh, whether purse snatching is a robbery. Uh, whether on 
uh, on this case, uh, again, whether it's a robbery, whether the sudden snatching of a purse, I'm reading from the court's decision, uh, whether the sudden snatching of a purse from the grasp of its owner involves enough force to elevate the offense from theft from the person to robbery. So in this particular case, uh, the court decided, the Supreme Court of the state of New Jersey decided there was insufficient evidence that the defendant had used force on his victim as contemplated by the New Jersey law. Earlier, the appellate division reversed the defendant's conviction for robbery and sent the case for entry of an order of conviction for theft and for resentencing only on that offense. So that shares with you the understanding that at the original trial court, uh, the defendant, the criminal, was convicted of robbery, and then the high court says no. The high court said that because we conclude the defendant's conduct did not involve the type of force envisioned, uh, we are not going to allow for conviction of robbery. So here's the facts. In 1986, uh, Edith Williams cashed her unemployment check at a check cashing store, a concession located in the Woolworth store on Main Street in Patterson, New Jersey. Mrs. Williams placed the proceeds in a zipped compartment in the strapless clutch-type purse that she carried under her arm. After purchasing a notebook in Woolworth, she then left the store and headed for a car, which she had parked a couple of blocks away. So Mrs. Williams arrives at her car, intending to drop off the notebook and to continue shopping in the area. She went to the passenger side and put her key in the lock, all the while carrying her purse under her right arm. Mrs. Williams stood in the street, uh, and she's approached by Francisco, who walks up and stood close behind her on her left. And she turns and faces him, thinking that he had approached her to ask a question, but he said nothing. And instead, and here's a quote, he reached across and just slid my pocketbook, which wasn't very hard to do from under my left arm, and took off. Then he runs towards Main Street. Isn't there a Main Street in virtually every town in America? So there was no evidence that the defendant used any force other than that required to slide the purse from beneath Mrs. Williams' arm. Police find the guy, and he was uh, indicted and eventually convicted of robbery. At trial, uh, he concludes that uh, the state's case for judgment of acquittal in respect to the robbery charge is a good appeal basis, contending that the case should only proceed on the lesser included offense of theft from the person. Well, as I've already told you, on appeal, he concludes that the trial court made a mistake, made an error by submitting the second degree robbery charge to the jury because there was no evidence that he had used any force on Mrs. Williams in the course of the purse snatching. Well, okay, again, at the Supreme Court in New Jersey, they hold that, yes, uh, he is right. There is no force of any nature, of any kind, that's in any way significant, basically. And so the law in New Jersey has been now for almost three decades that uh, 
depending upon the use of force, um, purse snatching is not always robbery. I'm going to come back after the break and I'm going to share some other cases with you and tell you what our Supreme Court has decided on this issue. And uh, that would govern federal law, by the way. It wouldn't necessarily mean that that's now going to be or has to be the law in in every state. But uh, there's some interesting stuff that I've got for you and a little bit of advice. So uh, hold hold your seats and uh, don't go too far away. Um, The break isn't long enough for you to really truly figure out how to solve world peace. I'm looking forward to coming back. Don't you just love the public library? Well, so did Marissa for a while. Little Marissa, 12 years old, Littleton, Colorado. She borrowed four books from the Bemis Public Library for a school research project on dolphins. Well, she forgot to return one of the books. She was summoned to appear in the Littleton Municipal Court. The public library policy is that if overdue books are not returned within several weeks, a summons is issued to the delinquent borrower. Marissa returned the book after receiving the summons and paid the $9 overdue fee. Well, here's where the case gets interesting. Her mother attended the court date to avoid having uh, little Marissa uh, have to miss a day of school. But the judge insisted that Marissa herself appear since her name is on the summons. Oh, my God. Well, okay, you know, power, right? Judge, yeah, you got that power. Once she appears in court and produces the receipt showing return and payment of the overdue book, Marissa can pay a $15 court fee to have the case dismissed. Marissa is now hesitant to check out any more books from the library. I guess where there's a will, there's a way, right? She says, I'm just going to photocopy stuff from books from now on. Good for you, Marissa. That's a definite three thumbs down for that judge. Here we go. Well, hello. Okay, so was I wrong? Did you solve world peace during the uh, the little break there? So we're back talking about whether or not purse snatching is a violent crime and felony uh, considered to be robbery or not. And I shared with you right before I took the break uh, the decision in the New Jersey court. I want to read to you Uh, a dissent from the New Jersey Supreme Court, one of the justices, because as you know, when cases go to uh, the Supreme Court in different states, the highest court in all the different states, it's not just one judge that decides. It's numerous judges, depending upon how many they have, and they don't all necessarily agree with each other. So here's one of the judges that disagreed with the court's opinion in New Jersey in that case uh, almost 30 years ago that uh, it depends on the amount of force. So here's this judge. In this case, the trial judge instructed the jury that in order to find the defendant guilty of robbery, it must find that he used force upon the victim. The court defined force as any degree of physical power or strength used against the victim. I would hold that a defendant who snatches a purse held by or within the possession of a victim or attached to the outside of the victim's clothing, has used sufficient force upon another to violate the robbery statute. Okay, well, cool. Um, I kind of agree with that. You know what? I mean, you know, we're, we're going to get to some of the uh, the discussion of what 
purse snatching can do to someone, particularly an elderly individual. But even if you're not elderly and your purse is snatched, uh, that can be a, a very upsetting, traumatic, and a very difficult event for you to have suffered. Let me talk about now the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Dun, da, da, dun, da, da, da. This was a case decided in 2019, very recent. Purse snatching and pickpocketing can amount to violent felonies for purposes of federal law, the Supreme Court ruled in 2019 in a split decision, five to four, featuring uh, some very interesting facts. The case concerned the Armed Career Criminal Act, a federal law that is a kind of a three strikes statute. If you're not familiar with that means is that if you've got two convictions where you got punishment uh, of whatever those convictions allowed for, and then you have a third conviction, the third conviction you'll get punished, of course, if you're found guilty, but then three strikes and you're out, as the expression goes. There's additional punishment for being, if you will, a repeat offender. So in this particular case, the Armed Career Criminal Act requires a mandatory 15-year sentence for people convicted of possessing firearms if they have earlier been found guilty of three violent felonies or serious drug charges. The Supreme Court had a difficult time, uh, as you can tell from the five to four decision, deciding what qualifies uh, for those earlier offenses. They offered in their uh, written opinions that uh, doing that is not always easy. The decision considered a part of the law that defined violent felonies to include offenses involving the use or threat of physical force. The question in this case was whether minimal force, as in a purse snatching, is enough. Because one of the three felonies, uh, one of the three convictions, I should say, that this particular uh, criminal had in his past uh, leading up to this case involved a purse snatching. The court, Supreme Court says, analyzing whether given crimes qualify as violent felonies under federal law, they don't look to what the defendant actually did. Rather, they consider whether the crime, in this case robbery under Florida law, covers conduct that does not qualify as a violent felony. All right, stay with me. I know this is kind of circular, but here we have a case involving this guy, Denard, who pleaded guilty to possessing a gun after burglarizing a restaurant in Miami Beach, where he worked. Nice guy. That's what you, you know, <laughs> they're giving you free food for being working there and then you rob them? Okay. After he was identified based on surveillance video and witness statements, police found a gun in his backpack. He was prosecuted on federal gun charges. He had three earlier convictions, and prosecutors invoked the sentencing law to argue he should serve a much longer prison term than the one the gun charge would ordinarily have warranted. So Denard, of course, objects through his lawyers, of course, saying that one of his convictions for robbery in Florida state court arising from a snatched purse did not amount to a violent felony. That meant, he said, that he should only face a maximum sentence of 10 years rather than a minimum sentence of 15 years. 
Justice Clarence Thomas, writing for the majority, said that Denard's robbery conviction counted as a violent felony for purposes of federal law. The Florida law required proof the victim resisted, he wrote, and that was enough. The force necessary to overcome a victim's physical resistance is inherently violent, Justice Thomas wrote. Cases involving snatching have required courts to determine where to draw the line between robbery and the lesser offense of larceny or theft from the person. A certain amount of force is necessary to take property from the person uh, of another, but whether the amount necessary merely to accomplish that taking is sufficient to warrant the more serious penalties associated with robbery has vexed those courts that have considered the question. Justice Thomas is a lengthy guy, so I'm just reading all this. Bear with me because it, it really is interesting, I think. Some jurisdictions have construed the term force as used in the state's robbery statute to mean mere physical force or energy, while others have rejected hyper-technical distinctions in favor of a view that acknowledges that snatching an object from the grasp of the owner increases the risk of danger to the victim and justifies enhanced punishment. Those jurisdictions recognize that victims do not turn over their property willingly, even if they don't resist or struggle. Thus, the amount of physical energy necessary to take the property is deemed sufficient to support a robbery conviction. Justice Thomas goes on to say the predominant view, however, is that there is insufficient force to constitute robbery when the thief snatches property from the owner's grasp so suddenly that the owner cannot offer any resistance to the taking. So this really is the question, isn't it? You know, you're you're just, I don't know, you're you're walking on the street and some guy on a bicycle runs, uh, rides by and just snatches the purse. And before you even realize what happens, he's 10 or 15 bike lengths away from you. A simple snatching or sudden taking of property from the person of another does not itself necessarily involve sufficient force to constitute robbery, though the act may be robbery where a struggle ensues. The victim is injured in the taking, or the property is so attached to the victim's person or clothing as to create resistance to the taking. So in this particular case, this court, Supreme Court of the United States, said uh, in its complete conclusion that the answer to whether uh, purse snatching is robbery or a less violent uh, or a, a less uh, serious crime of simple theft, the answer, according to the Supreme Court, is maybe. Maybe. So it always is just going to come down to a fact decision, at least in the federal courts, as to whether or not uh, the individual who is charged with a crime is going to be charged and convicted of a more serious crime or the lesser crime of theft. Very, very interesting, I think. Um, you know, I'm allowed to give my opinion because this is my show. I think, uh, between you and me, BS. You steal somebody's purse from them, whether they had any physical uh, injury, you know, there's no force used. It's just a boom and it's the purse is gone. Um, I'm sorry. I think that's, uh, 
you know, if that if that purse is on their person, I think that's a, a robbery offense. Uh, I think that the, the book should be thrown at the individual uh, who commits that type of a crime. I want to share with you now some information that I was able to pick up uh, in reviewing this, which was obvious in some quarters, but not so obvious in others, um, as to whether or not uh, this is a crime of violence uh, or just a simple theft. And I think it's pretty clear, at least in my mind, that if the purse is on the person, it should be robbery. Uh, I'm not the judge in any given case. I'm not a judge anywhere. That's just my two cents worth. But I want to focus now on not so much the legal aspect of yes or no robbery or just simple theft. I want to aspect, uh, provide aspects of what I'll call understanding of this and a little advice. You know, stealing a, a, a purse can be classified, of course, as a crime against property or a crime against person, depending upon the circumstances involved during the commission of the crime. Uh, it can produce long-term effects for the victim, certainly. And I think it's more so if it's taken off of your body as opposed to, say, your purse is uh, on the front seat of your car and you're just sitting there in the car and you weren't even touched. The loss can't be measured in just the financial loss of the purse, uh, but I think it can, you know, it, it can produce distrust in walking unharmed in public and in familiar surroundings. The, the consequences can be very upsetting, very devastating. It can be time-consuming uh, when you consider all the notifications to various companies and organizations to replace things that may have been in your purse, like documents, your driver's license, as an example, credit cards have to be canceled, work identification badges or cards have to be replaced, uh, checkbooks might have to be reordered, and uh, maybe even checking account uh, canceled and, and a new account opened, house keys and locks might need to be replaced, even photographs of loved ones could be lost forever. It's a crime that focuses on the elderly, mostly, and citizens with one or more physical difficulties that might hinder their ability to fight back or to chase. Uh, and chasing isn't necessarily an intelligent thing to do. The criminal depends on speed and the element of surprise to accomplish this disgusting act. Uh, purse snatchers often prefer to attack from behind, knocking the victim down. It's dangerous to elderly persons or persons with a health disability, not to mention even happy, uh, healthy, strong, able-bodied people that if you're knocked down, who knows what's going to happen to you. The thief usually never keeps the purse for more than five minutes, give or take, after the crime. An arrest with the purse in possession, of course, is the kind of evidence the thief doesn't want, so they get rid of it. They only need enough time to go through the purse to obtain cash and valuables that can be pawned or sold. Um, the purse is often thrown away, maybe in a dumpster, a storm drain, over a fence into a yard. Um, if it's recovered, it can often uh, be found anywhere from a block away to maybe a mile away from the scene of the occurrence. So I, again, have done some research trying to help you and, and those of you who might be listening. You can pass this along to friends and family, particularly elderly people or disabled people. Uh, what I'm going to share with you now actually comes from 
a police jurisdiction in Hyattsville, Maryland, uh, a, a little small town in my backyard, uh, suggestions offered to help reduce the chances of becoming a victim of this crime. I, I love the Hyattsville police that put this out into the public. Number one, carry as little paper currency as possible. Rely on credit cards and personal checks for large purchases, large purchase transactions. Credit cards and personal checks can be replaced, but money can't. Don't carry your keys, glasses, or important medications in your purse. The loss will prevent you from driving, entering your home, reading necessary documents, or taking important medication for your health. Number three, if you're knocked down and you choose to struggle, uh, not such a great idea. The criminal could become more determined and cause you extreme physical harm to accomplish the act. Now, I will say, if you're trained in the fine martial arts and you can disable the individual, yeah, maybe you go for it. Number four, and that wasn't from the police, that was from me. Number four, when shopping, never leave your purse unattended. Never leave it on a restaurant seat, in shopping carts, public restroom floors, dressing rooms, or under your seat in theaters. If your purse is stolen and someone telephones to request that you respond and get your purse, goodness gracious, don't do it. Let the police pick it up. It could be the thief looking to rob you of more valuables. Number six, when driving your car, keep your doors locked and keep the purse on the floor behind your seat. You don't need someone smashing your window and taking your purse from the front passenger seat. Number seven, never keep PIN numbers, account numbers, or any safe combination numbers in your purse. If you do, the thief could benefit from this information. They now have your address and you never know uh, if you're home or if you're not when you might be having a neighbor, uh, you know, a, a neighbor, when you might be having a visitor uh, that you didn't invite. Number eight, always assume the purse snatcher or purse thief still has your house and car keys, like I just said. So you should change your locks immediately. It might save you a bigger loss in the future. Number nine, and I know some folks in the country are going to disagree with this, but never carry a gun or knife in your purse. Lethal weapons could be used against you or the police if stolen. Number 10, and I agree with that, by the way. Number 10, a purse snatcher can be anyone, a man, a woman, or a child. They're not necessarily the stereotypical thieves that you see on TV. Number 11, never leave your purse near your front door. A person knocking on your door could see the purse and force their way inside to get it. And number 12, last but not least, keep the purse flap closed and secured when you are in a crowded area. It might keep, as they say, the sticky fingers out. I think this was a very interesting topic today, and I hope that you know all of you have gotten something from it. So I'll conclude today's Wrongdoer Wednesday once again by just offering the theme of my entire podcast show here. This is the legal merry-go-round, avoid the downs and savor the ups. And again, not just in the law, but in your entire life. We'll look forward to seeing you back on Friday for Fender Bender Fridays when we've got a very interesting show coming up for you. Take care and thanks for your year. Thanks for listening to the Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. 
Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations. Thank you.